You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda start your day off on the right foot on the front foot with virtual coffee with the collective cafe where we mastermind we manifest we collaborate we help one another at the business of web3 or anything else that intersects whether it's culture collaboration creativity innovation disruption entrepreneurship or coaching so give us a subscribe bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe well good morning good morning everyone it is monday july 24th how are you 802 Welcome as everyone comes into the room. You have been pinged. Uh, we do this Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. This Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm actually traveling. So we're going to move to we're gonna move to um, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective, which is actually the home, the original home. We've been doing this for almost a year. In fact, I think we've been doing it now for a full year every single day hiding in discord.gg and then we realized you know what there's no point in um we actually covered this um last week or the week before this idea of you know when you when you share you you have an abundant mindset and you actually multiply even the concept of an idea when you share an idea we actually had this whole debate yesterday in the car driving home from maine about this idea of ideas right this idea that if you can come up with a great idea chances are that you're going to come up with more great ideas. Um, if we think of ourselves just as this one-trick pony, that we're all capable of coming up with one idea in our life, and then that's it. That's a ridiculous thought. 
If we can come up with one great idea, we can come up with more. It's as simple as that. More, moreover, if we can train ourselves to come up with great ideas, even better. Moreover, if we can train ourselves to come up with even bad ideas that can be turned into good ideas through community, through collaboration, through conversation, through clubhouse, things that begin with C. These are all the things that we can do to actually multiply um, ourselves and our ideas. So ideas are a dime a dozen. It's all about execution. Yeah, I believe that. I also believe in the power of the idea. I also believe that an idea is nothing more than just a seed or a spark. That's all it is. Now, good morning, Sabine. I just see you in the chat. Now comes the hard part, which is how do we turn an idea into something substantial? How do we plant it? How do we nurture it? How do we grow it? How do we transform it? How do we turn a moment into a movement? How do we turn an idea into an innovation or ultimately something capable of changing the world? That's our goal. That's always the goal when it comes to ideas. So today is Manifestation Monday. It's normally a time when we just talk about, hey, what are your plans this week? What are your goals this week? What is... What does success look like for you this week? For me, uh, it's a shortened week. It's a week where I'm actually heading on a retreat. It's a retreat um, that is going to, uh, shall we say, be somewhat psychedelic. Um, And I'm going to share with you my my experiences. Um, It's, you know, on any given day, I kind of feel like I can conquer the world and also, you know, everything is just too much. Like there's too much stress. There's too much anxiety. There's too much pain. There's just too much difficulty and too much challenge in this world. What's the point? What's the point? Why even try it all? Why fight it all? And as I said, at the same time, I wake up, feeling like I can absolutely not only conquer the world, but change the world. Everything is about perspective. Um, But also there's this duality, this duality of life. That's what I'm trying to like get in touch with a little bit more, which is to actually almost immerse yourself in the, uh, and I think this is COVID. This is COVID did this to us. It it created what I call a manic depressive existence. almost like a bipolar, and I say this with always with love and sensitivity to anyone who is manic depressive or is bipolar. In no way, shape, or form am I minimizing, um, but it's an analogy. It's how I internalize it. It's this idea of going through these massive swings, um, and sometimes at the same time, sometimes maybe in the same room in clubhouse, the highs are... In, are, are exceptionally high, the lows are unbelievably low. How do we deal? How do we, how do we reconcile? So for me, part of my manifestation is to go there and get clarity. That's my goal this week is clarity. Clarity in terms of, you know, who am I? Who am I really? And how far have I come? How far have I yet to come or, tra- or travel? Um how good am I? Um, am I? Am I? You know, am I damaged goods? Am I? 
Am I past my prime? Have I aged out? Or is the best yet to come? I obviously believe the latter. I believe that my best days are ahead of me. I believe that the best is yet to come. I'm excited for that. Does the rest of the world believe that? And does it matter what they believe? Or does it really matter what I believe? So ultimately this duality lives in this very interesting place where, and I've said this many times, you've heard me say this, the regulars that are here, that we have to 50% of the time submit to the reality distortion field. We have to live in the reality distortion field, the Steve Jobs reality distortion field. And 50% of the time we've got to realize that maybe we're in La La Land or Barbie Land or, or, or a land not necessarily representative of reality. That's the art. That to me is the code. That's the silver bullet. Is if you actually have the presence, the self-awareness, the wherewithal to know when you're alive and when you're dead, when you're, uh, when you're in reality or when you're dreaming, when you actually have the consciousness to control that. I know it's like kind of a little bit kind of deeper, but, it, but it, it, it requires the ability to know when you are present and when you're in control and when you're out of control. And for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a dreamer. I believe in dreaming. I believe in goals. I believe in big goals. I believe in going for it. I believe in swinging for the fences. But also at the same time, you've still got to have uh, fail-safes. You've got to have like essentially a safe word. You know, not to get all S&M with you or dominatrix with you, but, but you do. Shout out to Product Avenger in our Discord at the moment. Um, but you do. You need a safe word. You need something that can check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, and, and that's how we navigate. I think these are very interesting, complex times. You know, we talk about virtual reality. We are living in a virtual reality world right now, my friends. <laughs> Whether you know it or not, you don't need Apple's Vision Pro goggles to recognize you're living in this re- this um, virtual reality. You know, we had uh, Kusra Khaled on um, as an Alpha Beta Talk um, speaker um, for Alpha Collective last year, uh, last week. And you know, the practice at Dis- uh, at Deloitte is called unlimited reality. That's very interesting. Hello, Archie K. Good evening to you. Oh, well, it is evening somewhere. And uh, title search examiner. Um, hello to everyone. But if you think about it, I like this idea of unlimited reality. Unlimited. Because there's augmented reality, there's virtual reality, there's extended reality, there's enhanced reality, there's mixed reality. These are all things that exist. What about unlimited reality? I could probably riff on that for an hour. But I'm actually what I'm going to do is there are two massive pieces of news in the in in the uh you know out there at the moment. I'm going to try and touch on both of them. But before I do that just to remind you that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday we are going to be doing the collective cafe in Discord. That link discord.gg/alpha-collective. All you have to do is actually join the Discord. It's free if you haven't if, you, if you've never actually um, even downloaded or set up a Discord account, this is a great opportunity to do so. And if you have, then it should be easy. I think it's important to 
give Discord a little dry run, a little trial, a little, um, you know, a little look-see, a little experimentation. And if you're using Alpha Collective as your community, it's not the greatest Discord. Um, it doesn't have unlimited people, um, but it's a safe place to poke around and, and check out some channels and see which ones you're able to access and which ones you aren't and get a real good sense for the future of community because the future of community is is one with tiers, with roles, um, with some things that are accessible to everyone and some things that are accessible to some people and, and you can earn roles and you can earn access and and there's something interesting going on and I think Discord's a very powerful tool right now to help us navigate and understand how to activate community. Um, so, wow. So Archie says it's 5.40 p.m. in India. Well, I'm glad that you are spending your drive time home um, or your uh, as you wind down, this is a way to wind down. I hope that I'm uh, able to also give you some good food for thought this Monday evening. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, come and hang out in Discord and uh, we're going to have some of our regulars. Um, we're going to offer them the opportunity to, to run a session. Um, definitely, um, Bears, I see in the audience, if he'd like to run a session, I would love that very much. Um, Melissa, I feel like uh, I'm ready for you if you're ready for me, if you want to run something. Michelle, uh, Product Avenger, I think you've done something before. We're going to talk to a few more of our regulars. Once I've confirmed all of our, our sessions for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll actually set up uh, uh, events and you'll be able to um, access those events directly. So I spoke about, I set up this idea of duality. I spoke up this, the, this idea of like this bipolar, this manic depressive existence. None more prevalent than what happened this weekend. We had the launch of two movies, one of them being Barbie and the other one being Oppenheimer. And both of these movies did unbelievably well. Both exceeded expectations. Barbie won hands down, followed by Oppenheimer. A lot of people are celebrating what they believe now is the return of um, this of cinema. You know that now we're going to see three hundred, four hundred, five hundred million dollar opening weekends again. I don't think we will, um, and I don't think that. I think this is a little bit of an anomaly. Uh, we can talk about that maybe if you'd like to. But I thought what I would do is, you know, as I've said to you many times, there are three types of thought leadership. There's original content, something that has never been discussed before. There is the ability to add to an existing thread or argument. So, for example, um, debating or discussing or building on top or speculating on top of Elon Musk's um, whole X um, announcement and unbelievable turnaround, and we'll do that too if there's time. And then there's the ability to take a completely contrarian point of view. I think I did that with threads, for example. I took a completely contra uh, contrarian point of view, not because I was trying to be contrarian, but because I had a different take. I didn't feel that threads was anything impressive other than just the a personal you know, vendetta or or uh, counter to Elon Musk. And it's been super, super interesting if you think about, by the way, what has happened since. You know, where Threads' launch was actually really essentially tantamount to cheating. One day before all of the celebrities and all of the brands got the uh, early access, 
you know, the ability to, um, to get in, to cut the line, the VIP line, which tells you everything you need to know about Mark Zuckerberg. He prioritizes the big brands. That's what he is. He, it, he's all about ad supported. That's his MO. It doesn't make him bad. It just makes him, you know, very, very focused uh, guy or businessman. And then he gave them early access. He gave them an unfair start. Um, and for anyone that actually made the migration, you would know that all you had to do was just click to follow or alert all your follows and it was all kind of nice and automatic, right? And so we saw um, everyone hyping up this idea of the most successful launch in history, even more than ChatGPT, even more than Twitter, even more than anything. And now it's all just plateaued. Now, it will go through additional growth spurts again, no doubt, if they can figure out, and they may not be able to, but they may um, figure out how to open up to Europe, which is currently bandit, um, there'll be more growth spurts. But there has to be something more to it. There has to be more something more to it. So my contrarian point of view was debunking and being able to say, well, maybe it, it, it might have been the most successful launch in terms of, in terms of numbers, um, but you have to go and read a little bit. You have to read between the lines. You've got to go a little bit deeper. You've got to do a little bit more digging. And what you see when you realize is that it, it ain't all that, right? Nothing more than just the presumed, presumable Twitter killer, which it wasn't, right? Which it wasn't. And then, of course, we see two moves, massive moves from Elon, I think he operates in 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 a in a trifecta or a trichotomy, uh, not a duality, a triality. You know, there's always a good, a bad, and an ugly. So the good was paying suddenly creators tens of thousands of dollars, which no platform has ever done like that. I suppose we can argue whether renaming Twitter X or this whole move is bad or ugly, but typically that's how he operates. And you know, he's he's mad like a fox or crazy like a fox or whatever the case may be. So my contrarian point of view was, was I'm going to go on record and be the, the dissident or the contrarian voice. It helps when you're right because, and I may not be right, but it helps when you're right because you can go back and you're on public record as opposed to all the people that hyped it up that now are kind of wed or locked into this kind of ruse or this hype wagon. So I found an angle to the whole Barbie. Most of the discussions regarding Barbie this weekend was about the great marketing, the pink, 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 all the brands getting involved, the whole story of Barbie. Um, and we can talk about that. And to me, that's interesting. Uh, maybe we'll come back to it. But here's what I... I want to talk about Barbenheimer. So, Barbenheimer. Um, so, uh, put a you know put a one in the chat if you're familiar with Barbenheimer as a meme or as a discussion topic. I'm curious. Um, hello to Tim, who's in Discord at the moment. Uh, put a one in the chat if you're familiar with Barbenheimer. This is what caught my. This is what caught my eye. This very interesting meme, if you will. So Melissa is familiar with it. So I'm going to play you one of the trailers. 
This definitely works better watching it. I'll post the link in the chat while it's playing, and I'll also post the uh, hyperlink into our Discord. But have a listen to it. It's about two and a half minutes. Barbenheimer. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a race against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have the bomb. She's a scientist, and I hear she's the best. Good. She's also a doctor. Excellent. She's also a flight attendant, astronaut, Marine Corps medic, paleontologist, veterinarian, and three-time Olympic gold medalist. I see the bright pink glow of a new era. We imagine a future. And our imaginings look fabulous. Barty, together we're going to beat those Nazis. And we're going to look so good doing it. Hey, Barbie, can I come to your secret laboratory later? Sure. I don't have any plans. Just giving humanity the means to destroy itself. Barbie, this candy we've been making is delicious, and it gives my skin such a healthy glow. Uh, Ken? That's weaponized uranium-235. You're probably going to die in, like, 12 minutes. So you're telling me when I push this button, there's a chance we might destroy the entire world. Yeah, but only like 60%. Hit it, Ken. Starring me as Barbie. Ryan Gosling as Ken. Matt Damon as Lieutenant General Leslie Groves. Will Ferrell as the President. And Kip. Sit. Kill? How do you say that? And now I am become Death, destroyer of worlds. Oh. That's so awesome. All right, so. I wanted to I, thank you so much for what. So I wanted to show I I wanted to play that for you because in a way what it's doing is it's uh, this this meme uh is actually fascinating to me. Why? Because um what has happened this weekend is you've actually ended up with two polar opposite movies. They could not represent in many cases or in many instances more of an of, of a different message. Um, in one case, it's kind of like they're both, I don't know, maybe one is accepting rea- reality and the other one is running away from reality, or maybe you could, you could kind of like flip them as well. But on any given day, we're kind of living in this Barbie world. We're kind of living in this, this world of filters and, and, um, and all of these um, mirrors or masks that we're wearing. Um, and realizing perhaps that we've been protected and realizing perhaps that that the real world is quite ugly and quite difficult and more complex and more challenging and more intricate um and then on the flip side you know you've got this you've got this like reality that we still have this this weapon 
that could be used at any given point in time. And oh, by the way, there's a war going on right now. And to fuse these two together is quite brilliant. Um, to almost create this idea of, are you team Barbie or team Oppenheimer? Which movie you decide to go to this weekend or this past weekend really tells who you are, defines who you are, or at least create some fun element, or at least, you know, there is also the element of going to Barbie, but telling people you're going to see Oppenheimer. So, you know, as, as, as a cover up, because you want to go see Barbie, maybe because you want to escape, maybe because you need to escape, or maybe because the world needs more Barbie and less Oppenheimer. I can argue both cases. I can argue five different cases or five different sides. It's a five-sided die or five-sided shape as well. I also love the idea of actually setting up two movies against each other that actually are not really competing at all, but actually together create a one plus one equals three. I mean, it is a case for diversity, a different kind of diversity, clearly, especially in the case of Barbie which is part of the message. But it is this idea that actually we want to give people choice, but the choice we want, we should be giving them is so different that we actually make it easy for them to decide. Instead of confusing them, instead of creating FOMO, instead of creating dissidence or, or all this fear, this confusion, this ambiguity. And I think that's part of the message of Barbenheimer. And then people just really went to town. I mean, I'm looking at, um, you know, I'm looking at just all the tweets. Um, running to the Barbie screening after the bomb blast in Oppenheimer. This Ken is death, the destroyer of worlds. I mean, it just it goes on and on. I also loved um, this one, which is, um, obviously this was a fake trailer. Um, they actually used um, AI to generate uh, the the likenesses of the images and the voices, etc. But I, I also liked one, I was trying to find it, that said the correct way to watch the order, start watching Barbie until she says there's a, like I guess a iconic line or important line. She says, have you ever thought about dying? Or have you ever thought about, you know, what it is to die? Then at that point, go and watch the entire Oppenheimer movie and then come back and continue watching Barbie. I think that's brilliant. That is exactly the way you should be watching it in many instances. So that's the angle that I found very interesting. As I said, there are a ton more, right? There are a ton more. I mean, I love the fact that Mattel in this particular case, and the movie is kind of almost lent in to the weakness of Barbie, the lack of diversity, or at least, at least historically. Yeah, there have been huge inroads, by the way, in terms of different Barbies and different representations and making Barbie more representative of the world we live in. But the genius of the movie is this idea of actually, you know, Pinocchioing um, Barbie and suddenly coming to terms with the real world. So we kind of look at it from the one side in, like from the outside in, but we never quite looked at it from the inside out. And in doing so, it does, it represents a different perspective but for the most part, it really is, interestingly enough, about unlimited reality. If you, I mean, did you think there was a Web3 tie-in? There's a Web3 tie-in, for sure. 
when we think about augmented, mixed, unlimited, extended, enhanced, metaverse, whatever you want to call it. And so, you know, will I see the movie um, Barbie? Um, almost definitely not, except now I'm intrigued to watch it in that order, to watch it with an Oppenheimer a Barbie sandwich. I might do the Barbenheimer one. And I, and I wonder if I just had to create a nice little conspiracy theory, whether in fact that was planned, whether that was actually a very deliberate decision to actually launch both of these movies at the same time. You see, there's another very interesting element here, which is this idea of self-deprecation and the power of self-deprecation. When you actually know who you are, when you have... When, 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 you, when you have that self-confidence, I mean, it is, the, it is probably the ultimate, ultimate, you know, growth element to our lives. Because we spend our whole lives searching, trying to figure out who we are, where we fit in, what's our role, what's our purpose, why were we put on this planet? so that we could go work nine to five, commute five hours a day, be miserable, to barely put food on the table. Is that our purpose? Sure, it is a purpose to provide for our families. It's admirable. We should. But when we, you know, when we are are but dust once again, will we be remembered? What did we do? What did we achieve? What piece of content exists out there in the archives of YouTube or Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it? I almost think, like I'm going on a complete tangent here, but, but like every single one of us should make sure that we have one piece of content that we created that can live on forever. I've been trying to ask each one of you a question every single, every day, when it, you know, when it pops into my mind. So that's my question for you today. Have you all created one piece of content that can live on forever, that encapsulates you, your, your MO, your contribution? Who knows? Maybe it was being in this room today. Not that you created the content. Maybe this is my content that I created. Maybe on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, one of the regulars will create their piece of content that can live on forever in the form of a podcast. Wouldn't that be amazing if you think about our grandkids and great-grandkids when they come and they say, when they want to hear, when they want to see a contribution other than a resume? He was the general manager. He was the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. Great. But what did you create? Where's your philosophy? Where's your, you know, where's your contribution? That's, a, that's an amazing thought. That's an amazing thought, something to think about. So, going back to Barbie or Oppenheimer, are you team Barbie or team Oppenheimer? I mean, the fact that, you, that we could even, I can even say those words, makes it so ridiculous And so awesome at the same time. Two things that have absolutely nothing in common are suddenly 
partners in crime. But it is the self-deprecation going back to Barbie that I just love. The challenge of being able to be labeled and accused and cancelled or allegedly cancelled or not cancelled or become politically correct or become more you know, diverse, diverse, inclusive, all, you know, many of those things good, some of them maybe not. But at the end of the day, what a brilliant way to extend the brand and make the brand relevant through a little bit of self-deprecation, but also by kind of looking inside and by being honest in a way. It is what it is. You know, a thing that, that makes me think of as well is throughout the years, if we look at Kentucky Fried Chicken, Kentucky Fried Chicken has become KFC and then it's become Kentucky Fried Chicken again and then it's become KFC. And at the end of the day, there's this ebb and flow. Healthy, unhealthy, healthy, unhealthy. But there's also a different perspective when you just when you, uh, when you look and you measure the, the temperature and the tone of the zeitgeist of culture there's this idea of what are we doing to ourselves? We're killing ourselves. Trans fats, you know, obesity as an epidemic. And by the way, it is an epidemic, in particular in the US. Morbid obesity amongst children. It is killing. It is one of the top, if not the top, killers. And so you have that, and then on a different day, you have, you know what? Life is so short, life is so complicated, life is so difficult. Why not just say, what the hell, have a nice fried piece of chicken. Enjoy it. You deserve it. You've earned it. Just have a high-calorie-filled, guilty pleasure. And then it swings and it swings, and the pendulum keeps swinging, and sometimes... There's the ability to say, hey, you know what? It's okay to treat yourself and have that bucket of chicken, especially if you're fit and healthy and you were in the gym the day before and you were in the gym the day after and a bit of moderation is okay as well. So it's also interesting when we see the temperature of the world, whether the world is serious, whether the world is frivolous, whether the world is superficial, whether the world is too intense, and there's a, a real interesting lesson there as well about the pendulum. If you understand where the pendulum is, because the pendulum is always swinging. The pendulum is always swinging. And if you really are smart about it, then you know where it's swinging. And you know kind of like how to anticipate it or where it's going or if you've been measuring it, if, if you've been studying it, you have a good sense as to velocity, as to, as to speed, as to where the wind is, you know, Mary Poppins, right, the direction of the wind, you can become really good at anticipating where things are heading. You can get out in front. And at the end of the day, if you are, whether, whether you're a founder or a, an agency person or a marketer, you've got to get ahead of the trends if possible, if possible. You've got to anticipate where the puck is heading. Those are the winners. The winners are the people that skate to where the puck is going to be, not where the puck has come from. There's so much noise, Bobby noise. And here's the thing. Here's another thought, which is 
The big winner is Barbie. And everyone that has tried to jump on the Barbie bandwagon, the Barbie bandwagon, I'm thinking of all names for today's episode, the Barbie bandwagon, I like that one. Everyone jumping on the Barbie bandwagon, essentially all they're doing is helping Barbie. So there is a real, real equivalent in the world that we're living in right now, which is exactly why I've taken a position not to bring people up on stage until 8.45, if people want to join. Because everyone who comes up on my stage, all the, you know, gives me, it, it's, like I'm a, it's like I'm a leech. It's like I'm a parasite. Because it builds my stage. It builds my base. It builds my brand sitting there on the top left hand, in the top left hand side. You see my links at the top. Generally, it could be my club. In this case, it's the startup club. And I get stronger at your expense. And if I, had a, if, I, if I brought up 40, 50 people to my stage right now, there'd be a lot more people in the room because that's what the algorithm wants. And that's what the algorithm needs. And now all of you are working, but you're working for me. You're working for me for free. You're helping me build my room and grow my room. But how much are you helping yourself, your own brand, your own follow count? And if you get a chance to speak, if I don't like what you've got to say, maybe I'm going to mute you or tell you not to shill or hurry you up. Isn't that a terrible thing when people do that? I hate it on stage. I hate it. When you make people feel so small by hurrying them up, by telling them they're verbose, by, which, by the way, is me. I'm the most verbose person in the world. So I have to put myself in a situation where I don't have to be bullied or intimidated or, um, you know, or forced or rushed. So I do it this way. And I do it in a way where you sitting in the audience live or listening to the podcast can benefit from it in a different way, as I've said many times. So you don't have to feel like you're working right now. So I think that's what happened in a, in a different way with everything with Barbie. Who really won? Barbie won. Mattel won. The movie won. You know, by definition, Oppenheimer won. And they very well may have been in cahoots. But everyone me tooing and changing their stuff pink, 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 pink. They were building the Barbie brand. And I have no problem with that, by the way. That's great for Barbie and Mattel. And in some cases, it may have been also great for the, for the partners. By the way, I'm a marketer. I like partnerships. There's a reason why when you go into McDonald's and you get your Happy Meal, you get the Avengers, or I'm sure they're doing a thing with Barbie at the moment. They probably are doing something with Barbie at the moment. Some kind of a cross-marketing deal. But the ultimate cross-marketing deal was Oppenheimer and Barbie. Two things that had no business being together that ended up being willing bedfellows. And I think that, to me, has been the genius. I love everything else, by the way. I love branding through color. I mean, again, I, I, could, I, I feel like I could literally write an entire book on this launch. I feel like I could even write an entire course at NYU and deliver it. 
call it Barbie-nomics or something like that, or, um, you know, like the experience economy, Barbie marketing. The irony is that, without getting too graphic, that this is a brand that has been able to somehow stand the test of time. In a nuclear holocaust, in a nuclear, you know, they talk about, like Barbie, in fact, talk about, you know, about beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Barbie, in fact, is a cockroach because it can survive anything, even a nuclear holocaust, which is exactly what the connection with Oppenheimer is. I am death. I wonder what it's like to die. Okay, maybe that's a little extreme for you at 8.40 in the morning. But this is a brand that has figured out how to survive and evolve. And that's amazing, by the way. So there's so many elements to it. Of course, the power of color. I also love the fact that, you know, the song uh, I'm a Barbie Girl has been like, I mean, what, like it's like hitting the jackpot. But the thing that's so interesting about I'm a Barbie Girl which, you know, maybe I am a Barbie girl, I don't know. It was a song by Aqua. I'm trying to see. It was released in 1997. And from what I understand, Mattel sued them. So here's an article um, from, it's in the Washington Post. I don't have a subscription, but let's see. Have you guys heard of 12-foot ladder? This won't work, I think, today. But by the way, it's amazing. 12ft.io. But a lot of the a lot of the like paywalls, it's meant to remove all paywalls, but at the but I think all of the main uh the main like uh, you know Washington Post, New York Times have kind of figured it out. Um what I see in the article, although it's it's not letting me read it, but it says, let me see if I can find another one for you. But they did initially sue. Let's see. He has one from Business Insider, but I think that's also going to bomb me. Mattel hated the 1997 song Barbie Girl so much that it sued. Now the song is making a return, thanks to Greta Gerwig. And that is also another interesting little little thread or little um, branch or little tangent as well. That when you look back, at all the great ideas, including but not limited to, including but not limited to Apple's 1984 commercial, what you see is that the truly great ideas almost never happened. Almost never happened. Were were opposed, were fought, were sued. Um, There are like amazing stories where management basically um, rejected or never signed off and somehow escaped and became like something incredible. That's how you know when something is special. That's how you know when, something, when something's got legs or longevity. That it's always just on the edge. It could go either way. To me, this is almost a foolproof um, kind of litmus test. When I when I was at school, high school, I used to love uh, English composition. 
And almost every time that I wrote a paper in an exam, a composition, I would walk out saying I either got literally 100 for it or I got zero. And I loved the thrill, the risk. That's when I felt truly alive as a student. When I would take such a risk that I knew it could go either way. And I think almost every time, maybe every time, it always did go the right way, which is 100%, because it was different, because it took a risk. So all of these brands that jumped on the brand wagon, right? Not the bandwagon, but the brand wagon. They did it. It's borrowed equity. You know, it's, it's the same reason why you see every brand using celebrities. Why, you know, during the crypto bowl, the crypto super bowl, you had... LeBron and Larry David and you had all of these celebrities, the Tom Brady's, you had all of these celebrities hawking these crypto coins or exchanges because it, in a way it was borrowed interest that legitimized, it helped mainstream. When you can stand on your own two feet, you don't need to borrow interest from a celebrity or another movie or a you know, partnerships are one thing, but you don't actually need to. You can stand on your own two feet, even if you are a doll. So during this weekend or week or even the next week, many brands are jumping on the brand wagon because they are usually, normally, not relevant, not compelling at all. And so they are borrowing interest from something that is culturally um, relevant or resonant at the moment. And they're benefiting from that halo effect. But don't think for a second that they're the big winners. The big winner is the movie. Through all these shared impressions, right? We talk about paid, earned, owned media. I sometimes call it non-media but it's the shared, paid, earned, shared, and owned. It's the shared impressions that carry such weight. I thought I would talk a little bit about Twitter today and, and X, but maybe um, I'll carry that over to tomorrow. Um, but I did see another article that, that caught my eye, and I thought maybe I would actually start to talk about that today. And let me find it for you. I know I see, you know, I know Bez will, Bez will like this. Anyone in HR um, and B2B would love this. So just a, it's an article. Let me post it in the chat. And I'll also post it in, um, in the back chat on Discord. And it's in a, a couple of sources. Um, hello to Billy, who's in our Discord as well. It says, Cisco is training employees to be LinkedIn influencers to help recruiting. It's a fascinating article or idea. Actually, it's not the article so much. It says, why Cisco is training its 84,000 employees to be LinkedIn influencers. Cisco decreased the number of days it takes to fill an open position by about four days by training leaders to be talent influencers. Just really recognizing 
that actually the average employee has like a 10x reach or increased influence on LinkedIn versus the actual company. So in this case, it's a different kind of borrowed interest. It's actually companies borrowing interest from their own employees. And again, this is, this is a conversation that we could probably spend an entire day on. Maybe Bez wants to pick this up a little bit and, and run with it this week. And if that's the case, should employers compensate their employees if they are you know, using or leveraging or attempting to steal or borrow their interest or their influence, borrowed influence maybe, not borrowed interest. Tim says, um, Tim says can't read it uh, because it's behind the paywall as well. Uh, let's see, by the way, if 12-foot ladder helps with that one. I, mean, I told you I'm like absolutely clear was fascinated by 12 foot ladder but it seems like um it seems like like they're all like they're all onto it now but if you actually just type the article why cisco is tr- is training its 84,000 employees to be linkedin influencers you might find it um in a different publication and you know again we can uh, we can all speculate it um there are many linkedin posts as well that i think riff on it Come on up, Bez. Perfect. I want every, you know, I want you if you have something to say to come up at like eight forty-five, so that you don't like. I, I still want the balance. I still want you if you have a voice, if you want a voice, if you want to be able to um, join the conversation. Of course, I want you on stage. I just don't want you to have to work for me and give me all the benefit when you could be like walking the dog on the treadmill. But Bez. How are you, my friend? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Good morning. Good morning. <coughs> um, love, love this room. Hey, I just, um, um, lo- that article you shared uh, resonates with me. Um, I think it is probably the most important thing you could do to augment an employee referral program. <coughs> so one thing that I, I don't like, it, the, the number one thing I do like, they're training their employees to be LinkedIn influencers, extremely smart tactic and strategy. But the, on the flip side of that, let's say you're an employee who already uh, has a large following and they're asking you to put Cisco on the back of your, as your banner. Um, <coughs> well, that, um, hey, you did all the hard work to develop that following. Why should an employer get that for free. And you see a lot of employees uh, plaster the banner of where they're working. And I think for most people, it's, you know, they don't even think about it. But um, somebody once approached me and said, hey, um, (coughs) excuse me here, but they were saying, hey, I want you to uh, put our company banner on on your LinkedIn profile. And I said, uh, no, thank you, but you can have it for $7,000 a month. And, and they thought I was crazy, but I was serious. So let, let's say, how can corporate America balance that? Okay, put on your banner um, a number or a code that if someone gets hired, they're automatically linked to the person. 
it motivates them or incentivizes them to funnel more people to get hired and, um, you know, collect on that employee referral program because they're pretty robust. I mean, <coughs> so I'll say this and just uh, landing my plane. Um, th there is a win-win here. You just will be co cognizant that there's some employees that have been very good at developing their personal brand already. And you have to recognize that. So do the right thing. And um, this is a great way to reduce your time to fill because through all the decades I've been involved, um, time to fill with all the fancy bells and whistles hasn't really changed. And four days is significant. So uh, I love this and I'll, I'll be reading this report. Thank you, uh, Joseph. You're welcome. And and actually, there's there's another interesting little offshoot of the discussion, which is when you empower your employees to become LinkedIn influencers, what you are also doing is you're helping them get a job <laughs> and, uh, and, and, making it, and, and make them much more powerful, um, much more powerful um, and able to actually start building their content legacy, which I discussed earlier in today. This idea of being able to train them to write articles, to start a newsletter, um, whatever the case may be. So I, I like that idea too. And look, some companies may not even, I mean, in Cisco's case, you can imagine that they've got to believe it. They've got to believe the fact that they're also making their employees a lot more marketable. Um, and that, I think, just makes you, that ups your game. If you're a company, I mean, you've got to realize and recognize that, that you know, if you're encouraging your employees to be on the free market, go for it. Um, but you've got to, like, bring your A game now because now suddenly... Not only are they helping recruit people to join you, but they themselves may be recruited to join another company. Bez, uh, you well, wanted we'll, to add something? Yeah, yeah, just real quick. Well, on 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 the positive side for the, for Cisco, it could possibly increase their valuation, right? So it is not um, a, a bad thing uh, because there's also a, a statistic within corporate America called healthy healthy churn. Sometimes. An, an employee has accomplished all they could at your organization. And it's, you, you hate to lose them uh, unless you can find something for another opportunity within the company. But sometimes it's time for them to move on uh, because if not, they, they stay stagnant. They don't grow. They don't push and innovate in your company. And it's time to bring someone else in that is ready for that spot. So I love it. It's um, a great conversation, um, has many complex layers to it, but you have to have a progressive mind and open to uh, the possibility that they could leave. So, but they were going to leave anyways. And, and you're just enhancing uh, a workforce to become more valuable. Well, I mean, this this idea, this inevitability, this necessary ending um, it's so important. To bring it back to, to Bobby as well, um, we spoke earlier today, if you joined the room a little late, we've had about 244 people that have uh, popped in and out and cycled through our virtual coffee house, which is exactly what our idea is. We discussed so much. I mean, I, I honestly, I always say that I, my litmus test, I, the day that I have one of these sessions where I don't, learn something, let alone someone who leaves 
better off than when they came in is the, that's the last that's the last startup club uh, collective cafe or even Discord um, session that I ever do. But there's another thing as well, not to get all ranty on you, but just as a final thought, the point that I made earlier about the way stages are set up even on Clubhouse and everyone jumping on the brand wagon, we have to be very, very clear the role that we're playing. I cannot emphasize this enough, right? If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. If you sit down at a table, a poker table, look for the sucker, and if you cannot see the sucker, get up and leave because that sucker is you. This is the final thing that I want to leave you with today, which is be very, very mindful and clear who you are and what your role is. So when everyone's sitting on stages and you have a room that has a thousand people in the room, determine who is growing, who is stagnant, and who is declining. And recognize often that's that growth, it's like a, it is like a zero-sum game for the most part. Right? When somebody sells a coin or sells currency or sells a Krugerrand or sells an NFT, someone is buying it. So when you sell and you make your gains and you double or triple your money, someone is coming in at that new high and could actually end up losing their money. And I think we have to be mindful of the fact that whether we talk about energy, which is a topic we were discussing last week, or whether we talk about buying and selling, or we talk about ultimately equity and brand equity, is that it can often be zero-sum. And so the big winner is Barbie, but trust me, that's at the expense of many followers and brands that and influencers that propped up and joined and jumped on the brand wagon because they also wanted to leverage clout and trade on that clout, the borrowed interest. So on one hand, the point I made about everyone sitting on stages, squatting on stages, however you want to call it, who's really winning? But the other one, and I would always say this, is, is seriously try this for a week. Take a journal and journal how many hours you spent in rooms, in clubhouse, on Twitter spaces or X spaces or X state, whatever the hell it's called. Um, just, just take a note. How many hours did you spend in other people's rooms, whether you were in the audience, whether you were on stage, and then try and determine what percentage of that was, was time well spent, where you learned, you grew, you gained. There was value to you as opposed to value to others. That's why I really love the idea of people cycling through the coffee shop. What I don't want, obviously, which is where I always have to work better and be better, is that someone comes in, listens in for two minutes or three minutes and goes, what a load of junk, what a load of crap, and leaves. I don't want that. What I do want is someone that says, hey, I'm here for three or four minutes, and that's good. I got an insight. I got a sound bite. I, I log in when I can. I'm just passing by, just five or ten minutes, and that was cool. So as a reminder, everyone, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week, the Collective Cafe will not be in Clubhouse because I am traveling, but we're going to actually bring it back to our main home, which is discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. I will create three 
separate rooms or three separate events um, that will probably help people click right into it. Uh, but all you have to do is, if you don't have a Discord, set up a Discord, username, password, could not be easier, um, and then join discord.gg forward slash alpha collective will let you join. So already two people today, I saw at least two people have come in through the guest, uh, through our guest book. So uh, B Kadri and uh, Lulu Greenery, welcome. Um, and I've just waved back to you. And that's where we're going to kind of experiment Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It will be a win in of itself because the Collective Cafe continues when I'm not here and maybe even after I'm gone on this planet, which is part of legacy. More importantly, it gets to showcase other members of Alpha Collective or our regulars, our barristers, the barrister role, which is, which is exactly part of my mission as well and my MO, which is to share and spread the spotlight and help as many people as possible. And three, it's a different perspective. Hearing, hearing somebody else's voice is not a bad thing too. Instead of listening to me droning on. So have an amazing day. It's 9 a.m. Go and create something amazing. Work on your content legacy as we discussed today. Um, and think about some of the questions that were asked and um, maybe tomorrow you can tell me whether you are in Team Barbie, Team Oppenheimer, or Team Barbenheimer. And I've been able to at least bring you a different perspective, a unique perspective, a fresh original perspective um, on brands, branding, borrowed interest, partnerships, identity. You know, I mean, and little, little bit of even Cisco B2B turning employees into influencers. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Bez, for your share. Michelle, as always, thanks for hanging out with me. Uh, and uh, gets can be quite lonely on stage without a friendly face. Bye, everyone. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.